0: Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampion. And my guest today is a good friend of mine. We go way back to high school. He's doing some excellent work with COVID help reliefs, Mr. Chris Morgan. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, brother. (laughs) And look, this has been a long time coming. I asked you to do this about two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Has it been that long? Oh, man. I think it was about a year ago. (laughs) You know what? You're probably right. It's about a year. But how you been, man? I've been great, man. I've been excellent. I've just been... Whew, I've
1: been in such a good place, man. It's It feels good, you know? It's like we, that moment of clarity that lasts for, for just... Yeah, <laughs> it's extended.
0: We've been talking offline, and, and and ironically, you you as we speak now, you at one of the convention centers doing some COVID help relief. So I wanted you to talk more about that. Yeah, so just to give a little background... Um, so I worked with the city
1: of San Francisco, city and county of San Francisco, normally as an airport manager. And uh, I was basically, I basically volunteered in the beginning because, you know, I had the flexibility to come help the city fight COVID. And with San Francisco, what they try to do, is be ahead of that curve. So they took a lot of money, a lot of, and they took a lot of heat for the things that they spent their money on, as far as like um, grabbing hotels and grabbing these other uh, places to, to help. People suffering from homeless, you know, shelter in place. Uh, they call them congregate sites or, they, or uh, isolation and quarantine sites. They have all these different places to like help folks, um, you know, stay isolated and stay, stay healthy and stay, uh, you know, stay and also helping them with like um, some of the addictions. Like, like, like the city was buying alcohol for them. Like it was, they were, we were doing a number of things just so they can keep people, you know, inside of the hotels and stop from going out to the streets in Congregate and spreading the disease more and more. And so <clears throat> I got selected to work with the uh, ACS unit, which is the um, alternative care site unit. So we established like a mini hospital in the Presidio. And that was difficult enough because they had to, they had to you know, basically convince the people living in that area that, you know, <laughs> you know we're going to bring folks who need help who may be suffering, you know, from COVID, but they, they came to the agreement that it wouldn't bring any COVID patients out there. So what it basically became was a, an, uh, a release valve for the hospitals who were being over and were inundated or just over capacity when it came to bed space. And a lot, what a lot of people, you know, may not know is that with the impact of COVID, it just overran the healthcare system. I mean, you had talk about nurses working six, seven days a week, doctors, same thing. And it's like, they're not having enough beds to, you know, they're having to turn away people because they don't have any place to put them. So um, San Francisco, with the, you know, with the acquisition of the hotels around the city, since, you know, a lot of businesses were were shut down and the travel was stopped, they put up a lot of people suffering homeless, like I said, in those hotels to help isolate. And then we we set up the alternative care site in the Presidio, which is like a mini hospital. So once the hospital became overran, we could uh, uh, send people over there who were not necessarily suffering from COVID, but who like may have been, um, you know, recovering from a broken leg or recovering from some type other type of sickness or illness that needed to just time to recover, like needed hospital time, but didn't need that much care. And they called a a low acuity continuing care site a lack. So many acronyms, but I, I won't get into all that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, I mean it's a, an exciting project to take, you know, be a part of and help build from the from the ground up. And the what's so amazing and, and great about it is that we never had to use it, like like L.A. and other places in California and other states, who's you know who had these these uh, alternative care site like like systems set up and in place were heavily used to help you know um, to help people recover from COVID, but we never had to use it because the the steps that the city here took were. So impactful that it kept our COVID numbers down below what um, what other places were. Like we were always constantly monitoring the, the uh, we were monitoring other cities, states, and other countries around the world. Like we would highlight um, the Johns Hopkins. The Johns Hopkins um, um, they had this this um, like preview board or like this like a uh, summary. PowerPoint presentation on YouTube that we would play, and you know it talked about it showed the numbers as they increased as the as the numbers rolled in um, from all over the world, like and we, you know we we had those comparisons and it was just like like a motivation. Hey, what we need to keep doing to to stay ahead of the curve. We don't want it fall down, We don't want to get inundated. We don't want our system to fail. And we did an excellent job of, of doing that. And by yeah, by doing that, like, San Francisco had benefited greatly, but a lot of businesses suffered because of the, because we were headed to the curve. We were also being, um, uh, we were, we were setting down businesses, like, a lot of businesses were really suffering because they, they there weren't people out here to be, you know, um, to be consuming the products and stuff, so but that's one of the, it's one of the big setbacks. I mean, a lot of people suffer that, but San Francisco mostly because we were a bit more, more reserved, a bit more conservative with their approach when it came to allowing people to, to, to businesses to open back up and integrate as much. Wow. Yeah. Let
0: me and let me ask you because you you've been you've been very vocal about um, getting the the vaccine. Like you you've made no secret about it. Um, what what made you decide to get it? Honestly, um, <laughs>
1: this might be a little funny. So I was sitting, I was sitting at the table with uh, some other colleagues and we had, I, I helped to set up our little, um, vaccination clinic across the street at the Moscone Center. Now they have a, a large mass one that's here now, but the previous one was, was smaller. And being in the leadership position that I was in, like, we were asked, you know, because um, once the whole thing came out about, you know, additional doses, because um, it wasn't the way the vaccine was being doled out, it was like you're gonna have these extras at the end. And, you know, they didn't wanna be wasteful with that stuff. So they set up a system in place to help, you know, people who were not necessarily on the, the initial list, but who were still working in the healthcare business, um, as far as like, you know, uh, essential personnel. So when it came to us, they came to our table and said, hey, you guys want to be vaccinated. I was like, you know, I had this in the back of my mind, like, <laughs> I'm not really sure because <laughs> honestly, um, I was never, I was never, I've never been a big proponent of, of you know, going to hospitals and I just never like being in hospitals and needing that type of care. I've always been a type who I like to stay healthy. I like to be pre- preventative with my medicine, not medicine, but be preventative with my activities. In the fact, they just kept me, you know, in that certain place. But at that moment I was asked, you know, with me and the other groups other members of our leadership team. And it was like, how can I sit up here and help and encourage other people to do something that I'm not willing to do? You know, I had a little conversation with myself and I said, yes. And I went over, you know, and I was one of the first, um, I was early on to get the vaccine, like in January, like January 10th or 11th, something like that. And wow. so like and mind you, like so I hadn't had the flu vaccine in like twenty plus years. Like that's not something I would just voluntarily do. <laughs> like, <laughs> and but but here's the thing: is like I believe in science. I I, I believe in and like one plus one equals two. I believe that the the science has a has a, a foundation of you know, cause and effect, a proof of of saying like if you you know if you do this, this will happen. You know, so I believe in that whole you know methodology and techniques. So it's like, I'm not a, I'm not, I've never been against the flu vaccine or any other vaccinations like tetanus or anything like that. But it's like, I just, that's been something I've tried my best to to avoid if possible. You know what I mean? And like I say, and, but for me to be in a situation to be a proponent for, or an advocate for the vaccine, like I felt it necessary to do it. And then I recently went public with it on Instagram Mostly because I was asked once again as a marketing <laughs> to to help with, you know, push the vaccine. I was like, I can't, I can't do a music or some song or anything like that's gonna be a proponent to help propel the vaccine if I'm not willing to go public with myself, which is why I went on Instagram and you know, and I try to note the fact that, you know, we have a history when it comes to the healthcare system as a black people, the black community. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows it. So you acknowledge that, you own that. But then it's like, okay, now what do we, are we going to just hold on to that for the rest of our lives or are we going to move past it, you know, and trying to build risk. And being the fact that I was able to work with black doctors, black nurses and all these other folks in our community who, who know the science, who know the history, who acknowledge it. And they say, yes, you still should get the vaccine because it is, it is taking so many of our people and like to the for my testament, I'll say this. Um, a friend of mine, Sean Bonner, you know, lived with lived he lived with his cousin. I met his cousin lived with me next to me in uh Minnesota Avenue, Southeast for eight years. You know, Houston, I used to hang out all the time. He was from North Carolina and um he passed away in March last year from COVID. Wow. He was only thirty nine years old. Wow. I mean, mind you, and he wasn't a big guy, he wasn't like out of shape or anything, but he had he, you know, he had a bit of a drinking problem. But like Like, most people have drinking issues. Like, a lot of folks drink a lot, you know? So, and it's like, yeah, I mean, he had two young kids, man. He had two uh, teenage daughters. And, like, I recently lost my grandmother, who, I mean, she was 93, but she still, she passed away from COVID. And then my my, my uncle passed away. He was, like, 70, you know? So, it's like, so once you start, once people start, I I hate to say it's like, when people start feeling that, I think that the urgency comes in a bit more, plays a bigger part. Mm -hmm. But it's like... I I'm, Being the fact that I'm on this podcast now, I can openly tell you that my mother, my stepfather, my sister—they all been vaccinated, or they all have been signed. Up. And uh, my dad and my stepmoms and my other brothers and sisters, like they're all signing up for it. Like, like, and but it's not something that people are going to proudly say because of our history with it. Because most people, most of our folks in the past have been like, "No, don't do it. Don't. It's not for us." But I tell you right now, most of my mem- my members of my family are getting the vaccine or have already gotten it.
0: And Have you have you experienced any side effects from it? Nope. All I got was a sore arm. My arm was
1: a little sore for like a day. But, you know, you move it around, you, you get the blood flowing. I just feel like I don't want that. Whatever they put into my arm, actually, I don't want that to just pool around in my little arm. I just wanted to move, <laughs> like let it, let it, let it, let it, <laughs> let it thin out a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I've been fortunate, you know, not to really have, I never really had adverse effects when it came to medicine. You know, I'm not allergic to much. so I mean, but And that's
0: something that people have to consider, you
1: know, before they,
0: they do it. So, yeah. We're going to back up. We're going to back up to, to, like, about 20 years ago, because that's when me and you met. But mm-hmm. the thing is, ironically, you moved to California. What prompted that move? Ooh, that was huge. So, man, you want to talk about someone I was scared
1: before I did that. Wow. And I wish... And I wish I had did it sooner. So um, what what some of our classmates don't know was uh, at the at the college playing football, whatever, living in D.C. for eight years, like in Southeast. You know, I, I grew and I developed a certain mentality. And but I was still trying to prosper and grow. I had I started a little music company, you know, with a couple of friends or whatever. And it, we didn't do very well. You know, I, I did some open mics. I did. Started performing, started putting myself out there for that, you know, to receive that either love or the, or the criticism or the hate, whatever came my way. And um, I ended up meeting uh, Rob and Price, who I call my little brothers now. And in 2000, around 2008 or nine, Price, at the age of 21, had the courage, the bravado to move to California and try to pursue his, his music career. Because after three years of us putting in work and effort, like we, we had nothing, very little to show for it. I, on the other hand, you know, because I, I transformed and, I, you know, I tried to focus on career and and but I was still in southeast, you know, so with, with my and not to say not to label that part, but it was just a mentality that came with me and the people that I was around. And until I moved from there, I went to I went out, I left southeast and went to northeast and um, I was in northeast off of eastern Ave for like a year. Then I left there and then I went to College Park. And every time I moved, my life, like things around my life started to improve. Now, it wasn't the movement part. It was my willingness to accept change. And then the next move I made was to Virginia. And, um, and I started working at uh, Dallas Airport. I was there like seven months before my little brother called me and said, hey, things are happening in, in California. And you should come out here and be a part of it before it really starts to blow up. I was like, okay. You know, I'm like, shoot. At this point now, I'm a little older. I'm not, I'm not. I'm away from the music game, but I still have that. That you know, I kind of. I, w- I had that willingness, and openness to, to embrace a, a something different, a new change. Mind you, um, I freaking had a Pontiac Grand Am. I love that car too. I ended up, but I had a Pontiac Grand Am. I loaded it up all my clothes, my TV. My most precious uh, possession was my TV. <laughs> <Back seat. laughs> And i told my dad i told my my, my, my ex and i told some friends i said hey i'm about to move on to california and and you know what honestly what the best thing was that i was able to transfer my my job out there i had to step down you know so my career took a real hit and i loaded up my grand and i made that drive across my, the first leg of that trip i did 18 hours straight no sleep i, I think i ended up pull, i ended up pulling over in uh somewhere in arkansas on a uh, like a rest stop, and I, I put the uh, the blinders up in my front window, and I and I went to sleep. Man, woke up next day, uh, about six hours later. Woke up, kept driving again. I think I, I got to uh, Texas before I stopped, and I uh, hit one of those showers places, and and then I next place I ended up stopping was like New Mexico and like lower into Southern California. The next thing I know, three and a half days later, I was in San Francisco. Wow. That's a trip out. That's a trip I'll never forget. I got, I have pictures, man. And it's just, but it, w- it was momentous in my life because, like, California has showed me so many different things I was unaware of, hmm. and and it's not, I don't want to say it's not just California. It's the it's the people within the Bay Area who I've come to appreciate and and love for the fact that, like, there are so many transplants. In the Bay Area, so many. Now there are a lot of local uh, Bay Area people here who, you know, show me so many ways, but there's so many transplants. And those transplants come from all over the country, all over the world. And, like, I've been exposed to so many of them, and they've opened my eyes to so many different, like, I recall, um, you know, going on vacation to Miami, always back and forth to Miami. I had never been to Vegas. I never really had an urge to go to Vegas. I figured it was just a place to party. But, you know, going to Vegas was like, okay, it's cool, first time. Going to Vegas, you know, and then it's like, but after that, now I'm going to Paris. I went to London. I've been to Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, Hawaii. I've been to so many different places and only since I've been in California. Wow. And so, like I say, I understand when people, you know, are like unwilling to move or leave their comfort zone because it's scary. It yeah. was scary for it was scary for me, man. It, it really was. And, you know, but I'm trying to build a foundation that way, at least out here. So when people don't want to leave their comfort zone, they at least they'll be comfortable, comfortable coming to see me or maybe even staying with me or knowing that I'm here to self-support them while they make this transition. You know, I have my sister out here now. She's, she's about to be 27. She's been out here three years. Now she came 24. She, I was going to set her up with her own place, but no, she wanted to live with me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I get it. You know, she wanted to be, you know, have that security blanket with me being here. But now she loves it. I mean, she can't imagine life Going back to what it was, like she travels. I mean, she makes great money. The the economy out here, pre-pandemic, was just booming. I mean, it's just booming. I was telling, I I was telling man, I I think I got like four promotions in like two and a half years. Damn! Seriously, like one because of my education. You know, I have two bachelor's and a master's degree, and plus I have um, um, the 13 years federal experience. So I was, I, I began to use that to my advantage. And I was just, and I was just, yeah, prospering.
0: I, my growth was, I almost didn't believe it. But can you, can you, do you ever sit back and think about what would have happened if you never left the DC area? All the time. I think about it all the time. I think about,
1: you know, the relationship I was chasing, that I probably would have been stuck in something that may not have been as productive to my life. Um, I think about, you know, the friends I was around and the type of activity, social activities I was engaged in. I mean, my, no granted, I had fun, but a lot of it led to very little productivity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talk about, I tell people about how fortunate I was to grow up in uh, PG County in Maryland. I love it. See Pleasant raised me greatly. You know, Sulim I praise it all the, all the time and I constantly, you know, Show things on social media about Sulin, but like, but it was very limiting. You know, I wasn't expanding my horizon past what I knew or felt or just was comfortable with. And that I don't, and, and I, and I, and I don't want to blame that on. I don't blame it on the East Coast or blame it on, you know, growing up in, a, you know, like I called the black bubble. I just, <laughs> I just, I just think that um, once I was more open and accepting to other people and the other ideas and other things. It allowed me to to really grow and prosper, man. And like, I've been trying to recruit folks all the time, you know, come to Cali. <laughs>
0: you know,
1: I want more East Coast people out here with us, you know. And when I start talking to, um, I think my accent comes back a little bit more—the Southern or the other East Coast accent comes back. I start talking to people I know from back home, but
0: yeah, <laughs> man. And then you know what? When you came to visit me, because first of all, I was really happy. Um that you came to visit me because we're both here in California. And I and the first thing I told you was, man, you look great. Um, you look like you lost some weight. You just look like you were in a great space. Mm. And the thing you told me was you ch- you decided to change your mindset. So mm-hmm. I wanted you to tell the listeners more about that. Yeah, that and that's it's
1: huge. And you know, I implore and I encourage so many people to really just think about that. I, like, I, I think I was telling someone today, you know, what's the difference between you know, us humans and, and animals. And, and, I, and that, that whole awareness of conscious, the whole awareness of our consciousness is, is what established us. And the fact that, you know, so many times in people's lives, we go through life on like autopilot or, or we revert back to, or when we do things, it's based on um, our natural response or just our conditioned response. Or conditioned you know um way of communicating but when you are aware of what you're doing seeing acting behaving and like it's it's hugely impactful I made a um I made a pact to myself I made a like a pledge promise myself to um stop using the n-word and stop cursing and that I mean it was so it was so like it was, I will not to say that, but it was, I had to be really, really mindful at all times of what I, how I was communicating and who I was communicating to, because that one, that one little thing, changing my behavior, changing my habit has profoundly, you know, helped me in so many different ways. I can't, it's hard to, uh, to really speak on, but changing the mindset has been like the entire difference with how I've, been able to be so successful, and still be aware of where I came from, where I'm going, what I'm doing, how I'm living life, how I'm appreciative. I mean, it's just my goodness, man. I, I mean, I, I honestly could go on and on and on. I don't want because <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel sometimes I get a little preachy. I don't want to be preachy because I feel like I feel like you say too much sometimes. People lose the message. Yeah, but um, just the whole change of the mindset is really interesting. I'll say a couple things about that. Like one, I meditate more, um, two, read more. uh, Three, just um, I engage, I love engaging with people I normally don't engage with, you know? And uh, one thing that's like most important I try to tell people this is uh, active listening. Like, Like what you're doing with me right now, like it's like you think about, you, you're taught how to speak. You're taught how to write. You're taught how to express yourself. We're taught for so many years how to communicate, but we rarely do you think about it. Are we ever taught to listen? Damn. And so many point. people, <laughs> it's, it's a trait, a skill that a lot of people do not understand that it's so important. You need to understand how to listen to someone and really, really listen empathically to understand what they're saying.
0: Like, but Yeah. What's some of the what's some of the books you read that had a major impact on your life? Mm. One of my
1: favorite is uh, The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clausen. It's a short read and it's and it's based back on like the old days. But The Richest Man in Babylon, and I've sent that to a lot of my family and friends. Um, um uh what is the uh, The Power of Now by uh oh, what's my guy's name? Oh my goodness. I got his name right here in front of me and I can't think, I can't think, but the 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 power of now, the richest man of Babylon. And uh, I there's a there's a few more. Um I literally need to just if I walk into my room and I just look through my library real quick, I just go through, like and I try to post the ones that I that I um that I really encourage people to read. Um but those two books. Um, oh, and one of the most important ones is uh, by Dr. Stephen Covey, *The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People*, and that's probably my number one of all time because it encompasses so many things. And and there, all they are are principles to live, which to lead your life by, and to help you make decisions. You know, because um, he talks about you know first seeking to understand, then to be understood. That's the whole thing about listen, like most people want to be understood. Like, like I mean, it's just it's just human nature. No matter what culture, no matter what religion, no matter what continent you're in, everyone wants to be understood. And yeah. when you do that for someone, then you can be under, then you can um you know kind of communicate better. But first you have to understand where that person is coming from. Also, like um Seven Habits, it incorpor- it incorporates uh a number of things. It talks about, you know, how you see the world, you know, the whole, the whole um, the vision to talk about the, the paradigm shift. There was a, there was a man on the subway train and um, his kids, this man came over with two of his kids and um, the kids are running around and on the train causing, you know, stirrup from everybody and the people are getting upset. They're getting impatient. Then the man finally turns to him and said, hey, you know, sir, we're in, I wonder if you couldn't do anything about your kids. You know, they, it was peaceful on this train, but now they're all, you know, um, um, disturbing everyone's peace. And then the man looks over to him kind of, you know, as if he's waking up out of his glaze, and he says, oh, I didn't realize, I'm sorry, we just came from the hospital and their their mother just died. I guess they don't know how to, you know, process this. But at that moment, the man goes from being upset with him to being compassionate and understanding with him. So it's like, you know what I mean? And it's like, that. that's like a huge paradigm shift. How he see how he views the man and his situation is totally different than from previously. And that's like one of the big thing, like uh, for people, you know, who go through, who are in these situations are going through life. And it's like, man, you have to understand, like, you have to take a a, a more wholeheartedly, more calm, more, more respectful approach when dealing with people in life, you know, like since you never know what, people, how people view things, how people see the world and, and you talk about how, like, people are conditioned to to do or respond to things. That whole that whole concept of conditioning is huge. You know, I think about how I was raised in a church. You know, how many, like, many of our people were made, raised in a church, were raised by uh, as disciplinarians. Like, you remember, we friends of mine, we share stories about how you used to get whooped so bad and all this. I mean, it's, it's so many di- different things that we were conditioned to think, feel, and believe because of how you know, things were, mm. like, I love my grandfather to death, but one thing I learned about my grandfather, he was, um, I'm saying, I mis- won't say misogyny, but he was very dismissive to went to, to my grandmother, mm. like, my mother shed the light on me that, even though, you know, my, outside looking in, we like, a great loving family, all my kids, all my, my aunts and uncles and cousins and everything, but, um, like, but because, you know, these were the times in the old ways in, in Georgia, in the, in the South. Like, 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 as times change and as people progress and grow, like, you have to be mindful of how you interact with people and how things are. And, like, and like, you have to be mindful of your actions today. Just because you were taught something when you were younger doesn't mean it is what it is now. Yeah. Like, that whole, like, so many for so many years we were conditioned to think and feel and, and act a certain way. And it's like... A lot of that stuff is coming to light with these new policies. I mean, you think about all these statues that were that are getting torn down and everything. Like we were taught to these folks were heroes. <laughs> you know, they were they were mass murderers. They were. <laughs> I mean, it's because because we were conditioned for so long. And I mean, it just. But when you think about that stuff, it's like wow. Like I, I tell people this. Imagine this. Would you name this building William H. Cosby? Would you name this this building after Cosby, after what he did to his women, after raping so many women, drugging them? I said, no, you wouldn't. So why in the world would you name a building after someone who murdered hundreds of thousands of people? Like, how does that even correlate? How does that even compare? You know what I mean? When you put things in perspective, but it's because we've been conditioned for so long
0: that you don't even give it a second thought. Yeah. You know? You're right but yeah you <laughs> saying you seem, you seem so. to be in a you seem to be in a great space like being in california like being a transplant mm-hmm. what's next for you because you' you're doing some great things what do you see next for yourself that is a
1: great question brother i will be honest to be honest with you like I'm given that great thought and i and I mentioned it kind of, a little bit to you when I saw you and your kind like I honestly i'm I'm looking forward to settling down meeting someone and hopefully starting a family out here like wow. that is Big for me, yes. I, I want to get married. I want to have children. I am forty-one. <clears throat> I'm not putting myself out there trying to, you know, but <laughs> but I want to. <laughs> but that that is what's next for me on my big plate. Like, and I just like I'm literally about to be one one hundred percent debt free. I think we talked about that. Yeah, we did. Uh, and congratulations yeah, and on that too. Thank you, man. That's because it's huge. You know, I, I talk to people all the time about that discipline, man. That was one of my biggest hurdles to get over was the discipline. You know, everyone wants that gratification, and it's like, man, sometimes you got to you know, discipline yourself from, from doing that and take care of what you need to. So, but yeah, but my biggest next step is to to get married, man, and have children, build a family, a found sorry, my foundation out here. And like I said, and you know, I'm not opposed to leaving California, but right now, California are, is where my, my my greater opportunities are. Wow. Like if if something were to happen and I'm available, like Atlanta or Texas or D.C., Maryland. Heck, even New York, even though I'm not very fond of uh tall buildings. <laughs> that's one of my, that's another one of my issues. I I, I haven't really addressed my, my level of comfortability with heights, <laughs> but I don't think that's something that's very urgent. So I'm okay with not addressing that. But um <laughs> it's weird because I'm, I'm okay on planes, but I'm not good with tall buildings like that. Yeah. But uh yeah, um that's that's one that's one of my big things next, man. Is start a family, get married. You you ready for that or um, financially, mentally, physically, everything else? I'm, I'm spiritually, I am ready. But like, but I say that I'm ready to meet someone. Like I haven't, I'm I'm single as it comes. Like I haven't, like I've been away from the dating scene for like five six months now. You know, I I was dating someone back around like October last year, but no, I um, yeah, I, I'm just taking a break. Myself, just to focus on me, to really, like I say, and that's when I made the final push to say, "Let me get 100 debt free before I start thinking about dating." Because dating can be expensive, brother. Let me tell you, <laughs> it doesn't always have to be, it doesn't always need to be, but for some reason how, it just gets, it, it, it gets to be that point. It's expensive, but um,
0: <laughs> and like I said yeah, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, I'm pretty much ready. That's great, man. Look. I, I know, man, you could do this forever. Right. And hopefully, hopefully, man, this is not the last time we talk because there's so many things I wanted to cover, but I don't want to go too far off base because I want people, like you said, I want people to get the message. And you put out an excellent yep. message. So I want people to make sure they get that message you put out. That's, that's, that's love, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, because like I, I can sit
1: here and talk for hours and hours. <laughs> but, Look, nah.
0: we, we definitely <laughs> going to do it again because there was some things I wanted to touch on, but... I want to make sure this message hit home. Cool, that sounds good, man. And listen, also before we go, man, let me let you know, man, I'm proud of everything you're doing. Just, you know, us going to high school together 20 20 plus years and Mm -hmm. now to see the man you've grown into and the great things you're doing, man. I'm really proud of you and I wish you all the best. And I know it's even more great things to come.
1: Thank you. And I'm a huge supporter of yours, brother. I will be promoting you online, in person, everywhere, man. You keep doing your thing. And I will always be there, Sula, Sula until we die. And I was
0: like, (laughs) 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 people don't understand that when we talk about Sula, man, they don't get it. (laughs) They don't. But you know what? That's that's the thing that I really love about, you know, the the class that we grew up, that we Mm -hmm. um, was a part of, man. Like just seeing each other, just seeing people supporting each other and people had businesses and they started them and oh, you see yes. our classmates they support them and even when, and and even on a personal note just me moving here no friends no people to reach out to and then unfortunately the time you came to visit you had just lost some you lost your um, grandmom, I believe like man. right around yeah. that time so for you to make that trip to visit me and my family man I really appreciated that and I was I was really glad to have you Thank you, man. I, mean, I love
1: being
0: there, brother. Yeah, so we definitely going to make sure we link up before I leave. <laughs> uh, well, absolutely, absolutely. The city is opening back up, so. <laughs> all right. Well, look, man, it's been a pleasure, and, and it's been an honor talking with you, and I wish you all the best.
1: Thanks, man.
0: I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate all your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. I'm also on Facebook, Conversations with Lamp. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Your continued support. Have a great day.